and he used to glow about it. I got you with a little, little bag of this, Sam. Out your mind. Human trafficking, human trafficking. In every corner of the UK, women and girls are being kept as slaves. And this is happening everywhere. This is happening everywhere. People are like, oh, it's just men that groom kids. It's not. Women are very present in this process. Grooming, exploitation, human trafficking. Women are very present in this. The same girl that groomed me introduced me to this man. And this man took three and a half years of my life. He knew where my family lived and he used to say, I'll kill them. I'll kill them. If you don't get me this money, your family are dead. In human trafficking, there's a shelf life of seven years, and I can understand why. Because I was deteriorated by the end of Freena. Sorry. Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Samantha Brown is an ex-playboy and Babe Station star whose life was controlled by a pimp, exploiting her for lots of money. Sam talks about the effect this has had on her life. And her aim now is to shed transparency on the dark underworld of the sex industry, bringing justice to those who are still suffering. This is the eventful life of Miss Samantha Brown. Samantha, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Dad. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward. I really, really do appreciate you coming down all the way and, and staying over last night and oh, what have you. you. Very kind. Let's roll all the way back, Samantha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's roll all the way back, Samantha. Where did you grow up and how did you get exploited into the porn industry? So, um, where it first started, I was born in Manchester, proud Mancunian all the way, hey. <laughs> um, and when I was growing up, I guess I was brought up in a very loving home, but it was very dysfunctional. So um, there was domestic violence, even though me and my sibling didn't see the domestic violence, you can sense that your, um, I guess your world is being shattered. And, you know, it's a shame because obviously, like with my mum and dad, I think they had kids to try and make the relationship better, but it didn't help whatsoever. And I think we became, me and my sister a little bit of weapons. So it was kind of like, I want to see the kids. I'm getting custody of the kids and my mum and dad, you know, they were like just butting heads against us. So I guess my house was a bit dysfunctional. Um, there was never any abuse towards me and my sibling, but we didn't have much money either. So we had like screwdrivers as a handle. We had no carpet. Um, one thing, you know, we had cat dead pants going to school. My mum and dad always made sure we had food in the cupboards and we had a holiday each year, which was really nice. Um, but I guess like as a young person, like when you're going to your mate's houses and you're seeing them with a full on kitchen, like kitted out kitchen and you're just there like with your screwdriver and you're banging on your fridge to open, it, it's a bit like okay I'm different mm. um, and then I was brought up in um, I first lived in a place called Moss Side uh, I think we all know what about that place and luckily I got moved from there to a place called Chadderton and in Chadderton it's pre um, predominantly Caucasian and Asian so I guess being a mixed race I stuck stuck out a bit like okay. a sore form I tried to fit in in places um, 
And yeah, just kind of try to, you know, give it the beginning, live up to something that I guess I wasn't. Um, but I've always been confident. I've always been um, in school. I was the one who bullied the bullies. So I would stick up for all of the people. I'd, if there was a new kid in school, I'd run up to be like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, everything all right? Um, and I was confident as well. Like, and that's why I guess I tell my story because if this could have happened to me as as a confident young person, I feel like it could happen to anyone, uh, especially with the demographic of where I'm from. Because in regards to exploitation, I my, my demographic gets targeted. Um, you say your demographic, what do you mean? So people in the lower demographic areas, okay. people who are a bit more around poverty okay. um, because it's easier to approach them. And obviously as well, people from broken homes, from after the work I do now, you know, care homes are a prime place where mm. people are being waited for to have criminal exploitation, sexual exploitation to happen to them. And I guess I was just prime meat, you know, I didn't have much money. Um, I was a bit of a rebel and yeah, I was longing to be accepted. Mm. Um, so when I was uh, 16 and I left school, I had a couple of my friends who met this girl called Becky. And when they introduced me to her, they were like, oh, this is the stripper that we know. Now, mind you, my mate's 15, we're 16, mm. we just left school. So we're quite impressionable, you know? I always ask people like, when you was 15, 16, like how impressionable were you? Um, and I think we can all put our hand on our mm. heart and say, you know, we, we could all have been led down the wrong path. Um, and unfortunately, that's what happened um, with Becky. Becky was um, about nine, 10 years older than us. And like I say, she was introduced as the stripper. She lived at this girl called Beck uh, Vicky's house at the time, but she was giving it the big and dodge. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, look at my car, mm. like, you know, I'm a stripper, I have all this money, I have this amazing lifestyle. And I got drawn to it, a bit like a moth to a fake flame, you mm. know? So I was like, oh, this is intriguing, this is nice. And she really took a shine to me. So I started to spend a bit more time with her than the other girls. Um, but my girls were still around. Mm. And when we was around, she started to do weird things like stripping for us. Mind you, we're minors. Yeah. So why is a lady who he's in her mid twenties to, uh, to, to nearly 30 years old gonna be stripping? for minors. At the time we was just like, we'd never seen naked ladies before. You know, we was like, oh my God, this yeah. is so crazy. And then, you know, she started to buy us things that started to pick us up. And then she got her clothes out. And I'll be honest with you, like I was intrigued. I was intrigued by her because she was buying weed at the time for me. I started smoking weed at 12 years old and it was bad because in school I had a friend and he was actually selling weed at 15 years old. So he was being criminally exploited. So this was actually going on already within my circle. We just didn't know what was going mm. on, you know. But she got these stripper clothes out and she was like, oh, do you want to try them on? Me, I was like, yeah, I do actually. Like, I I'd love to. Um, my other mates didn't, like, but she was kind of um, encouraging it. 
you know. And where where were you when she was encouraging this? In her house. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. At first she lived with a, a woman called Vicky and then she moved out and got these houses. But then it was like she was even more Billy Big Bollocks because she had a house, she had yeah. a car, she had all this going for her. And I'm a 16 year old being like, oh my God, I want to be What like year this roughly are we talking here? Well, I'm 34 now and I was 16 at the time. So it must have been like, was it like 88? It must have been like early, early 2000s. 2000s. Okay. Yeah, okay. early 2000s. Okay. Um, I guess pre-internet as yeah. well. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. So this is why people need to understand things like this have been going on before yeah. the internet just made it a yeah. lot more easily accessible. Um, so yeah, from starting to wear the clothes, again, I, I was the one that spent most time with her. My other friends kind of dispersed and I was with this lady and now looking back, I realized she was very narcissistic, very controlling. Like she was like, we're going here, we're doing this. She she was very manipulating, emotional manipulating, being like, oh Sam, you're nice, but you're a bit dim. Do you know what I mean? Like pushing this kind yeah. of thing onto me. And then she started to introduce me to armed robbers and um, gangsters. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously they were, were under the impression I was 18, I yeah. was above age. Um, and then she started to introduce cocaine to me. I had my first line of cocaine with this lady and she then disclosed herself because she was like taking me to these parties, getting these guys to sniff lines off my ass, like showing me this kind of lifestyle, sex, drugs and rock and roll yeah. that can happen if you act a certain way. Mm. Now, what people need to realize is what happened to me was grooming. And these kind of situations are happening on a regular basis now. Um, kids are getting groomed through social media. You know, you have things on TikTok where they're promoting things like being sugar babies, um, promoting how much they make on their OnlyFans. Now, that's how easy it would have been for me because I'll tell you if I would have seen that as a young person yeah. now at the time I was um, in home bargains like minimum wage yeah. do you know what I mean I was on EMA and I was in college as well what's, what's EMA it's where so <laughs> <laughs> basically like when I was growing up I had like dinner tickets and stuff because so because we were in the lower demographic yeah. uh, um, we got uh, EMA which was um, just money that you were kind of given um, to support you okay. because you were from a lower demographic yeah. family um, so I had this little bit of income coming in and um, then she starts to speak to me um, and starts to say, you're not gonna judge me. You're not gonna um, see me in any bad light. And I know I can open up to you. And she told me and disclosed herself as a prostitute to me. And obviously I'm 17 years old at this time. And she started to insinuate that if we did this together, then we could make a shit ton of money. Now, obviously I'm in college, earning minimum wage. She's introduced me to this lifestyle of these guys. I've never seen stuff like this before. I've never seen money. I've never been around it my whole life. And um, she suggested that I do it with her. She was saying things like, oh, we could dress up as schoolgirls. We could make a shit ton of money. Let's go around. And then she said that she had sex unprotected. And I think I have to like hold my hands up and say, yeah, I guess as a 17 year old, I knew what was wrong and what was right. And I took the wrong path 
you know? And I, I've had to like accept that I made a massive mistake trusting this lady. But again, like I just know how impressionable I was as a 17 year old um, girl. So basically when she disclosed herself as a stripper, I mean, sorry, as an escort, a prostitute, I then started to have unprotected sex with men for money and with her. And she taught me about how to get into cars with guys, how to do um, meets by myself, you know, how to charge extra for certain things like unprotected sex. And she was really like making out that this was okay to do. And I followed suit and, you know, like, it, it it upsets me because I think to myself, like how impressionable was I to think that pushing myself into this dangerous situation was normal, you know? So it wasn't just that. She actually got me on a, a show called Babe Station. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I was hoping you'd say no. Yeah. I think every bloke's heard of Babe Station. <laughs> yeah. But that was so, years ago, right? It's still on now. It's still on now. It's still okay. on now. It's okay. still on now. I just want to hold you there. I just want to hold you there. Yeah, of course. You're saying she taught you how to get into men's cars mm -hmm. and stand and go and do it by yourself. Were you stand on, on street no, roads? No, I or? wasn't so much. I was working through a site called Adult Work, which is quite well known for uh, human trafficking and exploitation, but obviously girls go on there and promote their services. Right. And it's just basically a, um, a website where you can do things like webcam, you can do things like brassing on there. And um, she introduced me to this website okay. and that's where we worked um, on that. And we had a profile where we did it together. And then she was like, oh, if you want to do it separate, um, then you can make, you know, you can still do it. So she was showing me about how to meet up with guys in cars and like get in the car with them make sure that it's safe and stuff so she was like message me when you're there and all this kind of stuff wow so yeah what that? that's what sort of weird feeling that must be for you being a 17 year old young girl i know jumping into a random car, car. with a random fella in there you know it's sad because i think to myself like when i was like a kid like i used to think it was okay to bring guys to my dad's house like when I was like younger because he wasn't there and um oh it just like breaks me now thinking about it because I'm just like you know these weirdos knew where I lived yeah. you know and it sounds like bad but it's like I wanted to be in a model do you know what I mean so I was like oh if I do this then maybe I can you know start to become more confident and like things just like just progress very easily. So when I ended up doing the prostitution, then she introduced me to Babe Station. But the worst thing about it was, is that I was a minor on that show. And, and what people need to realize is if you're under the age of 18, which is so sad because yeah. what's the difference between 17 and 18? It's what, 60 seconds or mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. um, and she introduced me to this show and I was so naive, you know, like, and this show obviously, you know, is about sex chat. Like, I'm sorry to say it, but sad guys ringing, two ninety nine, three ninety nine a minute, and they think you want to oh, actually talk to them. Is that what it is, is it? Yeah, it's oh, sex okay. chat on the phone. Okay. So you're like this, you're like, like waving your phone and... Well, so they're phoning in, getting yes. charged per minute, and then yeah. you're just there, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. and they're getting their rocks off yeah. to someone telling them what they want to hear, yeah. because obviously none of us want to talk to them. Yeah. The only reason that we need to get the numbers in is because we can keep our job, because the more money that you bring in for 
babe station, the more money that you will get in regards to promotions, you'll get to keep your job. And that's ultimately what it's all about. So how much were you getting paid at babe station? Uh, 50 pound an hour. Like, so I'd gone from working minimum wage. Which back then was what? I think it was like 6.95 or something maybe. Yeah, okay. Like it wasn't, it wasn't much. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not much now either, yeah. is it, to be yeah. honest, but- um, To go yeah. straight to 50 quid an hour. Yeah, and okay. then also like selling my body as well. Like, you know, I was getting like 150 to 200 pound an hour for that, you know, so- what, in prostitution? Yeah, yeah. Separate and, from the babe station? Yeah. Or um, would you, via babe station, would you get guys- No, you can't do you can't, that. Okay. You can't do that. Okay. Like that's actually like frowned upon. And if okay. you do that, like they will like clock you and like, because they can listen into your calls sometimes. Yeah. But no, I guess what that did was heavily promote promote me anyway, so that more guys would want to book me and I could up my rates because yeah. when you're seen as a commodity, mm. which what happened, but the scary thing is, babe, imagine Dodge, like they didn't ask me about my ID. They didn't ask me my age. They didn't ask me anything that they assumed because I was with this woman, yeah. that I was above age, that I could come in, I could um, do what I was doing. And it was crazy. Like the first phone call I had, I remember I was on the bed and I was with this lady and she, he was like whispering. And I was like, I remember it to this day. Like I remember him whispering and being like, um, hi. And I was like, why are you whispering? Like, you know, at the time you got a bounce mm. on the bed, mm. like, um, and he, they're like, he was like, oh, my wife's in bed. So I was like, oh my God. I was like, I was like, I got the phone. I was like, his wife's in bed. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I, I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. I was 17. I was like, you know, what do I do? And um, then she was like, I'll talk to him, talk to him. And, you know, I started to think at that point, like, how many other husbands are doing this? Mm. Like, you know, the family unit was already smashed in my eyes anyway, because of my upbringing. So I started to think, oh, is this normal? Is this, is this what happens? Is this how it is, you know? Um, and what people need to realize is when you're a minor and you do anything that's sexually explicit, it's exploitation. Yeah. So I was being groomed and being exploited at the time and I I had no clue whatsoever. And this is what happens with young people today. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. Like they just think, oh, they see the money mm. and then they've got this influence around them and they're following suit, you know? And that's why it's so easy for people from certain demographics like mine, care homes, foster carers, like all that kind of stuff. They're literally like targets basically yeah. for them um that girl who exploited you yeah what's her name becky becky Wu. becky Wu. yeah okay that's the first time i've said her last name on okay the thing. where's was she earning money from you i i actually don't know and okay. obviously as i'm gonna go more into my story yeah. there could be a possibility that she would have made money somewhere along yeah. the line off me yeah. um and i have fought because of historical abuse about getting this woman put in prison because I've had one of my other pit, but I've got one of my other perpetrators put in prison, so why not her? Yeah. But it's just so, like with historical abuse, like it's very hard because it's your word against them, but I, I do have witnesses to what happened all along the way of this mm. situation. Um, but even still, this is why people need to realize, because people will be like, oh, it's just men that groom kids. Mm. It's just men that rape people. It's just yeah. men that do this. It's not. Yeah. Women are very present in this process. Grooming, exploitation, human trafficking. Women are very present mm. in this and they are involved. And she was one of them people like, so, and I think people will realize more as we go more into the mm. story because there's a bit more to Becky that, um, progresses into the story. Mm. So 
So do you think when you went into Babe Station, you yeah. now look back as an adult, as a 34-year-old and go, hold on a minute, that's wrong. There's a 17-year-old kid going in there, essentially. Yeah, I mean... Have I, you ever gone back to Babe Station and had a chat? No, 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 no. Since no, and no. gone... The 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 uh, the show I worked on was called Hotel Voyeur. Yeah. Like Bave Station's like a whole uh, okay. scene of uh, stations, you know. Okay. But Bave Station was the main and the first ever one. So I say Bave Station so that people understand yeah. what I'm talking about. But this channel was called Hotel Voyeur. That channel's been closed down. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. Like I think the person I am today, I probably would have gone back and be like, Yo, are you okay? Yeah. Like what? What are you yeah, thinking? What are you for, yeah. Like and has any other minors been on the show? Yeah. And if you, if if you say no, how do you know? Yeah. Because you Prove didn't. It. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. because you did nothing yeah. with me. So even still, like, you know, it sounds, um, I don't know how to put this, uh, apart from people who are involved in the adult industry need to check themselves, yeah. especially producers, like, and enablers, like the people that are pretending that this shit's normal yeah. because it's not. And like I said to you, like, what's the difference between 17 and 18, 60 seconds? Mm. So... After I got onto the station and I was being exploited by this girl on my 18th birthday, I mean, it's probably was written in the stars anyway that I ended up going down that route and I ended up going into the adult industry. Now, the adult industry for me, Dodge, is one of the darkest, degrading, disgusting industries that anyone could ever be exposed to. And I think I, I guess I'm kind of glad that I ended up in there. Like, as, people say they don't live with regrets, but I, I can honestly say like I do sometimes. I look back and I'm like, oh, Sam. Mm. Like, you know, you, I didn't have no care for myself. Like, little Sam, like, I, tr I, I try and hug her now because I'm just like, it's okay, babe, you know? You were only doing what you thought was right at the time. And I have to forgive myself, you know, so much. But being in the adult industry, when I got into the porn industry, oh, like, I don't know, like, it's sick, man. It's twisted. Like I said to you, like, the producers are just as bad as, as, as to me, like, the people um, that are involved with trafficking because you are pushing a girl to the extent of abuse. Mm. Like, people, like, I don't understand, like, how people can watch this stuff now and get their rocks off to it because it's straight up abuse. Like, so like, okay, with um, regards to me and the adult industry, I was in it from the ages of 18 to 21. I did it all. Escorting, webcam, stripping. Um, uh, I did the porn and I was a very credible actress dodge like i wasn't like your little 20 quid on a couch mm. you know having home movies kind of thing mm. i was seen as a massive commodity and obviously like when i look back at 18 year old sam i'm like wow i can see why like yeah. she had a lot going for yeah. her do you know what i mean and yeah. she was only 18 and that word teen yeah oh god why this is glorified so much in the adult industry i'll never know you know um there was a study that was conducted over 130,000 movies were analyzed and teen was the most prominent thing that was used throughout their movies. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Like, why are we promoting this? So anyway, like in the adult industry, I first ended up with a company called Kilogram. 
kilogram along with all the other um, companies of scumbags. Um, Where were they based? No, uh, Nottingham. Okay. Like, Leicester, you, Leicester, Leicester, sorry, they were. But how do you get, do you choose the people you want to be with? So How does it work? No, you don't no. choose the guys that you get No, not the guys, with. I mean the actual oh, companies to yeah, say, um, like, I want to work with that company. And do they put you on their books to say, we've got a job for you here, we've got a job for you there, you've got two jobs today. How does it work? No, they scout you. So basically, like, I was on uh, websites like Model Mayhem, Purple Port, trying to get my modelling career to go somewhere. Um, and obviously being on Babe Station and you were a bit of a commodity, like being on there. And I was like, oh, I was trying to push things to try and get um, my image out there as much as I could. And um, they found me on there. That's where they found me. And they were like, oh, we really like you. Can you come and work with us? Uh, we're a really family-based uh, uh, production company. And I mean, porn, family, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah. yeah, mate, like honestly, yeah. like uh, this company's sick. They introduced me to their kids. They basically bring you in so that you can be groomed to think that you are part of a team, you are part of a family. But do they warn you first? They're like, don't worry, if you hear anything bad about our name, then, you know, just ignore it. Mate, these guys have been screwing over people since day, yeah. mate. And they will give you, the, so, so what they will do is they will take the young impressionable girls and they will get their first scenes. I try and explain it to people in the sense of like Jenna Jameson. So yeah. Jenna Jameson is obviously a commodity. Everyone knows who she is. You get her first scene as a teen, you are near enough in the money, mate, yeah. and making money consistently yeah. because people will download, 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 and they'll be wanting to see her first scene. That's why it's so sick and twisted because it's like, why, what, what are you getting off on that for? Like what the first time that she's been exploited on, on, on a camera, you want to see that. And then most of these girls are 18, 19. So I've got a question for the adult industry is why are reality shows interviewing people for their mental health? Yeah, like asking people, you know, like when they go on Love Island, Geordie mm. Shore and all that, they're interviewing and making sure they're mentally sane. Mm. Yeah. Why are they not doing that for porn? Mm. When you are doing something that is meant to be the most sacred act of all, you know? So in the industry, uh, in the kilogram, um, there was a pimp there. Um, he was called Don Rubles. And he, he was called what? Don Rubles. That wasn't his real oh, okay. name. But, like he, that was his like mm. actor name. Mm. Like, cause he wanted to, he was begging being an actor as well. Yeah. Um, but and he, he was an actual pimp or he was acting He was a, a pimp. pimp. No, 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 he okay. was a pimp. And I didn't find out until later yep. because I found some of the girls who he was pimping out yep. like later on in my story. But obviously I dodged him. I kind of wish I would have ended up with him instead of the other one because, yeah. Uh, yeah, he seemed a lot less psychopathic. Mm. But um, even still, that's the kind of people you're around, yeah. babe, you know? And then obviously three years in the industry, just the things that I've seen. And I get upset because I, I have willingly degraded myself. I have willingly sexually assaulted myself. You know, like Dodge, like, in the adult industry, there is so much abuse. There is so much drugs. Like, um, people are promoting the most sickest things like incest, yeah. paedophilia, like rape. Mm. Like, what? Like, why are we not consciously thinking what we're doing? And I'll tell you why, because the money's involved. Yeah. That everything goes, all of your morals disappear, disintegrate. 
because you're getting your paycheck and you have no care that you're ruining someone's family unit. You have no care that you have just imitated a seven-year-old. Like, do you know what I mean? Like your whole view of reality is distorted. Like, and that's why it's like, I don't think people understand like the destruction um, of the adult industry. So Pornhub, for example, was investigated and they found a video on there of a three-year-old and they were making money off this video. And, you know, you've got 15-year-old girls writing into Pornhub being like, please take this down. That is me when I was 15 Mm. years old. This girl nearly commits suicide. They give her an automated message back. Oh, sorry, it doesn't violate our terms and conditions. What? Sorry, paedophilia does not violate your terms and conditions. Human trafficking does not violate your terms and conditions. And, you know, this is what people need to realise, like, within the adult industry, like, this is why it's so funny, because obviously people in the industry, they're like, I'm getting my money, and it's all really nice, and I'm just like, mate, how about we deep this? How about we deep the fact that girls cannot eat before an anal scene the day before? They have to do things like douching and enemas. How about the fact that 20-year-olds are sneezing and and having prolapses and and shitting themselves on on planes back from LA and and, and fueling themselves up with Xanax, like, do you know what I mean, to try... Um, cope with what's going on. Like, why are we not talking about the producers that are feeding us lines while we're while we're doing our scenes? Do you know what I mean? Just to get us a bit loosey goosey. Mm, mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a load of bullshit, babe. What was your lifestyle like, Sam, oh, in in that period of 18 to 21? Were you out partying? Yeah. Did your cocaine habit increase? Massive. Tell me what it, that was like. Well, my cocaine addiction started when I was 17 because as soon as I took that with that girl, this is one of the things with drugs in it. You take drugs to suppress things. So I I or automatically found my escape yeah. it was the coke and, and 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 i'm not gonna lie as soon as i got into the industry and i had money mate that, that shit was going up my nose for the crack mate yeah. like and it was bad but it looked yeah babe like i had the best life ever yeah. it looked like i was being chauffeured around fendi bags laboutons flying out staying behind the hollywood sign you know yeah. going to private islands mate i was dying like I was every morning waking up, having to put on this facade, had to be this image, like I had to become my alias. Like, and I think sometimes now, like, you know, the scenes I did, you know, like I had someone had to, um, because basically like, I was being pushed and pushed and they were like, you need to do an anal scene for us with this uh, company called Harmony, Harmony. This is what I mean, like people are like, oh, you must do it. Like when I did one of my interviews, people are like, oh, you must have worked for shitty companies. I was like, you are right. Mm -hmm. And this was a porn actress, obviously, like Mm -hmm. who was more triggered than anything. I was like, mate, I've probably worked for bigger companies than you. Mm -hmm. I worked for Playboy. I worked for... um, Penthouse, I worked for um, Harmony and, um, you know, Private. I worked for the biggest companies that you could work for. And I remember because Harmony were like, okay, we need to get your extra scene now. We're going to pay you a few extra grand. Um, And I just remember being, it was all white. I couldn't eat the day before. You know, I I had to um, have this enema to get everything out of me. And I remember having to sit downstairs while this woman was doing her scene first and she was getting battered by four guys. And she was shitting all over the floor. 
She had to run off to the toilet, come back, do the same thing again. And this girl had just come out of the industry as well mm. and she'd come back and this is what she had to get faced with. And that's the thing, if you push your, there was a girl called Bella Donna, if you, and she was, she was honestly, she ruined things for us because she was shoving feet up her, uh, up mm. herself, two fists, you mm. know what I mean? Like she was being spat on, like mm. all of that stuff, which is blatantly abuse, mm. yeah. Um, but I remember seeing this girl, you know, and I was just so scared. And then I had to do my scene and I was upstairs and I said to the guy, I was like, because he was quite big, I was like, it hurts. And he was like, don't worry, I'll do something for you. I was like, okay. And he um, asphyxiated me. So he choked me out to the point of where I passed out. And uh, I remember um, coming back around and obviously we was in mid scene um, but I had, had, hadn't experienced a lot of the pain, but obviously then when we was doing the scene, it was painful. But I remember thanking him after, you know, like thanking him and, and saying thank you for choking me out. And uh, the worst thing about it is someone's getting their rocks off to that mm. now. And um, I'm in my head thinking, you don't know how much pain I was in. Do you care? Mm. Are you thinking about that? Or are you just thinking about offloading? And I think that's where people are starting um, to really distort the view of reality with porn. They think it's real. I mean, it, it's not whatsoever. The guys are injecting their dick by the end of it because they can't get it up anymore. They're in, they're, hold on, they're injecting their yeah, dick? Yeah, their dick so that it actually okay. still works because some of the guys have been in the industry so long that it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So, and then obviously they're taking things like Viagra, they're yeah. taking, but it is frowned upon, but they're still doing it anyway. Um, but yeah, like uh, there's some amazing organizations that people can look into called Exodus Cry um, and Fight for the New Drug. And um, they are the places where you can find a lot of facts. And there was um, a film made by Exodus Cry and Max Hardcore was in the, the film. And I'm so lucky I didn't work for him. I worked for someone called Rocco C. Freddy and I can guarantee you I seen that girl get raped on that set. Like the way that she was pushing him off and he was dragging her forward. Mm. And uh, in the industry, we've got a thing where we go like this. And if mm. we go like this, it's like calm down, mm. like you're hurting, but he was not stopping. Mm. Made the girl shave her head in the film and everything. It was absolutely crazy. But anyway, Max Hardcore, had done this film um, with them. And you, he goes into the wardrobe and the outfits. He's got seven year old shoes there. And you know, the ones that are glittery and they light mm. up. <laughs> it sounds fucked up. Babe, like it you It sounds know, really fucked up. It's so messed up. <clears throat> why is it, why is the porn industry so glamorized? Because it's money. Like, people like to glamorise things, don't they? They like to glamorise drugs, sex, rock and roll, you mm. know, making out that it's all, like, hunky-dory and everything's all good. Um, even the girls now, like, in the industry, like, I see girls that I've worked with still dressing up as a schoolgirl, mm. and I'm like, girl, are you okay? Mm. You have children. Yeah. Do you know what you are promoting here? Mm. Like, you look like an idiot. Like, to me, I'm just, like, I guess I get a lot triggered by it, but I'm like people just distort 
their view of reality, babe. Like, I swear to God, in the adult industry, just like Coke, it's glamorized, it's normalized that you act this way. Can you take it harder? Can you do more? Mm. Like, you're seen as um, a, an object. That's all you are. A cattle, cattle market, in, out, in, out. Will you do more? No, okay, go, she will. Like, and that's what I'm saying. So it was a, it was a lot of competition going on the yeah, whole time. Yeah, like, and how hardcore can you go? Yeah. How much can you do? Yeah. Like, what can you shove up you? And it's yeah. like, me, you know, like- If you didn't have a cocaine addiction, do you think you would have carried on in that industry? Mm, that's like a good question. I can honestly probably say, yeah, because the money, because I was so, like blinded by the money. And this is why a lot of girls stay in the industry because they can't get money like that elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. And that's why they're stuck. And they'll say, oh, I'm doing it for my kids. Oh, I, I love taking the money off guys. Okay, hear me out then. Take the money away. Would you do it? Yeah. Would you do it? Like, guaranteed there might be a freaky Karen going, yeah, of course, mm. well, we'll go with the spoons, mate, um, within the ginnels <laughs> like the rest of the girls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, but then they use that excuse, to, oh, I'm doing it for free, so I might as well like get paid for it. And yeah. I'm like, you choose when you do it for free. Mm. Like you choose mm. when you are able to have consensual sex. Yeah. In porn, you don't get to choose. Someone walks through the door that you don't like, they don't care. So do you get to know who's gonna turn up on the day? Um, you're usually, you don't, you just have the act to turn up and you've got to work with him. And you, there's a thing called fluffing where, you know, if the guy can't get it up, you're you're expected to fluff him so he can get himself like sorted for the thing, um, for the for the shot and whatever, um, you know, and the producers, like I think to myself, like you need to like have a mental health check, mm. like, because some of them, they're like, gape it, gape it, grab it. Oh, but I'm like, oh my God. Mm. I'm like, this is where life comes out of mm. me. Like this should be a sacred area mm. right here. It should not be being teared mm. open, spat in, fisted. Mm. Like, what is that? Like, mm. that's honestly like, it's disgusting. And the porn industry is pushing this so much that people, including kids, because obviously like I go into schools now to teach, mm. to talk about a lot of this stuff. And I'm getting kids asking their teachers, oh miss, how do I not um, choke her to the point of where she passes out? Mm. Am I meant to spit on this girl miss? Like, mm. And I'm just like, where are they learning mm. this? So obviously now like the youngest person that's been documented on a porn site has been seven years old. Think of how easily accessible this is, babe. Like, you know, I have people, um, weird bots message me going, oh, come to my link, you know, and they'll message on um, Instagram posts and stuff and be like, oh, boys, come to me, like mm. this kind of thing. How easy for, is it for a kid like yeah. to go on that? Like they have the weirdest filters now where they're turning people into kids, like, you know, like on TikTok and stuff. And I'm just like- Makes my blood boil when I hear I know, that. babe. Makes my blood boil. Massively. And you know, this whole you know age you're going, play. You know, you're going back there saying that it was the money. What sort of money were you earning? I was earning grand, babe. So off a good scene, I'd get a few grand. So a scene, is that a day? Yeah, So yeah. You, a day, I'm getting a couple of grand to do what I've got to do. Yeah, and okay. sometimes you'd be lucky enough to maybe have three, four hours, but I've been 12 hours on set before where I'm bouncing, 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 doing, 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 whatever, like red raw at the end, you know, like, and they don't care, the producers don't care. You have to make this scene, like you have to get this shot, we have to do this. Have like, you ever done a scene when they haven't paid you afterwards? No. 
Okay. Thank the Lord, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is when, like, I mean, if you weren't getting paid, that's when I think things would start to light up Get in your a, brain yeah, and be like, yeah. why am I even doing this? What am I doing it for? So another payment, they would make sure you'd get paid. When did you, what did you do when you worked for Playboy? Uh, when I worked for them, yeah. I just did uh, porn for them. I also did um, uh, Playboy TV. So where, um, so, cause obviously like, as we go more into my story, I obviously end up in a really bad situation. And then after I got out of that situation, I went back to the industry because I didn't know any different. Yeah. So it was kind of another babe station. Um, but obviously I did photo shoots as well. I ended up in Playboy. I did photo shoots that ended up in page three. Like that's what I mean. Like yeah. I was I was seen like as a commodity. Yeah. Like I was like this little browning, like, and they absolutely loved me. Yeah. And you know, um, but there must have been a part of you that you were going, I am a commodity and I'm earning a lot of money from this. Yeah, of course. Yeah, babe. Like yeah. massively, I told, I turned into my alias. Like yeah. I was kind of like, you know, F you to my dad. Like I didn't really like tell him what I was doing. Um, I wished my mum didn't do this, but she supported me um, to the point of even going around telling people what I did. Did your you, mum support you? In yeah. It? Wow. It breaks my heart now because I'm just like, mum, like, why didn't you have a word, man? You know, and I can't blame her because I don't blame anyone. I take full responsibility for everything in my life. You know, I take accountability. Like I, I accept everything. Um, But I think looking back now, I think to myself, mum, like you really shouldn't have supported this. Like you should have sat me down and been like, you are gonna make a massive mistake here. Because now looking back, I wish she would have done that. So even though like with parents and their kids, like I know it might, you might feel like you're annoying them, nagging them saying, don't do this, don't do that. But when you get older, you know, you're gonna look back and you're gonna be like, was that credible as, as a parent? If your mum would have said, don't do it, do you think you just carried on still done it? I would it? have done it anyway. My dad was yeah. absolutely mortified. Yeah. You know, like my, my my little sister, bless her, she was mortified, you know. Um, and you know, like kids are evil and obviously in school she was getting shit. And yeah. cause we went to the same school, do you know yeah. what I mean? So it was like, I was like Sam Brown. Oh my God, look at what Sam Brown's yeah. gonna do. Move to London, go and be a porn actress, go and be on business. Have you seen her lifestyle? She's popping bottles in Funky Buddha. She's yeah. been with celebrities, footballers. Like mate, I honestly was like sniffing lines at 6 a.m. in the morning by myself, listening to Amy Winehouse, thinking it was, she was cool. Like, you know, um, and it was, it was so sad, like just being in that world and thinking that this was, I remember I was like, I'm gonna do this till I'm 50. I'm gonna snort coke all my yeah. life. I'm never gonna have kids, you know, thank the lords that this happened to me the way that it did. And now I've got my head screwed on, mm. you know. How much money do you reckon you were spending a week on cocaine at, Ooh, at peak? At peak, mm. I was buying, I was, um, I mean, before we get into the darker side, I was I was buying it like what three four times a week minimum. Probably taking it five times a week. Every time I was at work, I was taking it. When I go out, I take it. So I was at work every week, and I was out every week. Mm. So it was like a standard procedure. Um, and that's the thing, like with cocaine as well, it's ruined so many people's yeah. lives. 
and it's glamorized. Yeah. It's this drug that's like, oh, Scarface. Like, yeah. do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah. man, we all don't want to end up like him yeah. anyway. So I don't know why we even glor glorify yeah. it like that. But it's totally glamorized, you know? Like, like heroin and crack is seen as this worst mm. thing in the world. But then like Coke, it's seen as like, you know, the top echelons of society. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, um, strippers and, yeah. and rock and roll lifestyle. And really it takes you so much. If someone asked you, back then, what you did for a living, what would you say? I'd say I was a porn actress. I'd be very proud really? of what I did. Literally. And you were literally set I, mean, I was putting pictures on my WhatsApp and everything of my, my scenes, like, and like people were messing with stamets a bit too much. Well, get the fuck off my WhatsApp then. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I was, you were owning that space. Yeah, babe. Like, I embodied it on a massive scale. Like, and that's when I kind of got this attitude of like, if you don't, if you don't, um, except what I do, fuck you kind of thing. Like, and that was de detrimental as well. And I think a lot of people in the industry have that kind of attitude. Do you know what I mean? Fuck me, you don't, fuck you, you don't know me. You don't know what, I've, what I do. Like, you don't know the industry and you sugarcoat it so that it looks better than what it is. Yeah. Um, and that's what people do now. Like, they'll be like, oh, I get paid really well. I got treated really well. Oh, mate, like, yeah. honestly, like, stop, yeah. stop. Like, know, it's interesting what you're saying there, fuck you attitude, whether you're a bank robber, whether you're an yeah. international drug, drug smuggler, dealer. whether yeah, you're yeah, a drug yeah. dealer, whether you're a porn star, everyone's got that attitude because everyone's using cocaine. Yeah, I know, babe. You take the coke out of the mix, people aren't thinking that up. way. I know, you're like, oh my God, like <laughs> things start to hit yeah, reality, but yeah. that's it in it. It's fast paced, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Like, let's, let's do it. Like. How many years was it until you went, I've got to knock this on the head? Oh, it wasn't even after I got out of my situation that I even knocked it on the head because it's all I knew. So from 17, because that's how much money. You mentioned a minute ago that you wish you met this other pimp. Did yeah. you meet another pimp? So, like, after the adult industry... Um, How old are you at this point? 21. 21 I was. So, the same girl that groomed me introduced me to this man. And this man took three and a half years of my life. And basically, he was called Stephen McAllister. And he was introduced to me by Becky as a man who was going to change our life. I remember she was with him, like, you know, um, working with him at the at the start when I was 21. And I remember because we went to Vegas together. Who, and, you um, and Becky? Or yeah, you yeah, yeah me okay. and Becky. We'd okay. gone to Vegas together and she was literally trying to sell this to me. Like, it was the best thing since life spread. This guy's a, a gangster. Um, he knows everyone. He's going to change our lives. He's, he's literally what we've been asking for, Sam. And this just something just didn't sit right with me. And I was like, nah, mate, fuck this guy. Like, he's a waste man. Like, and um, she come and stayed at my house. And then she just she just persisted with it. Do you know what I mean? And I guess because she had that influence over me, I was like, even still at 21, I was like, okay, come on then. Let's, let's meet the guy. Mm. <sighs> Worst mistake of my life, meeting this guy. So when I met him, he had a bag of coke waiting for me. He'd been prepped by Becky for me. She does this, she has this, this is her addiction, rah, rah, rah. Telling them all about them, uh, me, my family, everything. So he knew stuff about me already. And she was proper putting it out that he was the bee's knees, you know? And then when I met him, he was like, oh, so what do you want, Sam? You know, if you was gonna have anything in your life, what would you want? So I said, I wanted a production company to show girls how to make money properly from the adult industry. I wanted to take a small percentage, set up their website and get them set up on their way so they could constantly be making money themselves. Cause I knew how the industry had fucked me over. 
whatever you want, we'll make this happen. All you need to get is the targets, the money. So I was set targets and I had to get two to three grand a week so that this could come into fruition. Now he was giving it Billy Big Bollocks, yeah. Taking us to meet the Sunday sport, getting leaflets made, um, going to view venues so that we could actually start like where we were gonna do the production and mm. stuff getting contracts put in place. All the while, he was breaking me down piece by piece. So this guy, as I said, was a pimp and he used a technique called befriending and it's also called boyfriending. So what they do is they come to you as a confidant, someone who's gonna help you. And obviously with the boyfriending, they use it as someone that wants to be uh, your boyfriend and look after you. Um, I know that the same processes have been used before in human trafficking, like love bombing, um, honey trapping. And this is what he did. He had his bag of coke. He had all this information about me. And he was like, yeah, this is what we're gonna do. And in, in the space of six months, he kept me up for maybe 24 hours. He then was slapping me about a bit. And then, it just became really weird. And he started saying things like he was Satan. He was a member of a cult called the Illuminati that they run the world. He owns me. I, I can't get out now. I'm trapped. And he was basically using uh, mind control techniques where he would sleep deprive me. Um, he would torture me. He would rape me. Um, and it would be continuous. So sometimes it would be for 24 hours. But then as time went on, it was like five days I was kept up for. And this man basically started to go like, I don't know, like, I just can't explain. Like, I never knew people like this existed, basically, because in my world, even though we was from, like, a low demographic family and stuff, like, I'm not really around, like, sociopaths, you know? I'm not really around, like, people who gaslight you and make you question your reality. I'd never really been around, like, Becky was a narcissist, but not on this level, like, how he was. So he was like, I've shot my son. If you go to the police, I'll kill you. Um, he said he was someone called Paul Ferris. Um, he basically then started to make me um, listen to songs backwards, started to um, watch certain films. Like he made me watch like Laura Biden Citizen and said, that's me. I can get out of anything basically. Like he was making out, he could get out of any situation, started turning around saying that I can pay off the jury. Um, you know, so if you take me to court, using the fear of God basically in me. Were you were you living with this bloke? No, babe, I wasn't. I was being trafficked. So basically like what happened was when he introduced me through Becky, when Becky introduced me to him, he was like, you have to move to Birmingham. You need to show me that you're willing to make this happen and make this work. And you must find um, a penthouse, I mean, no, so you must find a place that you think I'm happy with. So I found this penthouse above New, New Street, yeah, um, in Birmingham. 
and it was honestly a pimp pad. Like it had like furry walls and shit. Like I, I, I don't know. Like I must have thought a oh, Snoop Dogg pimp. Like I'm gonna <laughs> buy. I'm gonna get this place. He'll be well happy with his yeah. pimp sticking here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I could never do anything right, Dodge. You know, like it's like even if I tried, like he always had to said I had to get um. Richmond Super Kings and uh, Jack Daniels and Diet Coke waiting for him and he always wanted chicken wings in the freezer like he was another level of control so what was the benefit of you having a pimp there wasn't babe that this is I, I was honey trapped I got told I was going to get something and I never did and, and that something was like the production, production company. So he sold you that dream. Yeah, you he believed sold all him. The girls' dreams, babe. Like he was banging loads of gear to you, massive, and then controlling you. Massive. But you babe. weren't living in the same. So basically, uh, I had places around. Uh, I had my penthouse in Birmingham, but I was being trafficked everywhere: um, Ireland, Wales, England, all up and down. So I had to just get these targets. Basically, hold on a minute. Hold on. You were trafficked. Yeah. By like, him. Yeah. Like, so at first, like the six months, like it was kind of like, it was just a little bit of the the abuse. Do you know what I mean? It was like breaking me in. It's kind of like, like domestic violence. They don't just hit you. Do you know what I mean? They will break you down. Mentally. Piece by piece. Yeah. So yeah. first they befriend you. Yeah. Then they, they have to isolate you. It, it, they can't do it otherwise. That's why you find in a lot of domestic relationships that they take them into the house. They don't let them see their parents anymore. They cut them off from all their friends. That's what they have to do. Because if you keep the mind weak and the body strong, then you can get that person to do anything. And, and you know, these are the techniques that he had used for a long time. He had a certain type of girl that he liked and they were homeless girls or single mums. They were his predatory people that he went for. So when I caught him, he, he seen pound signs on another level. And he used to glow about it. I got you with a little, little bag of this, Sam. Now you're mine. And he used to like, he used to, when he used to torture and rape me and the other girls, he used to do it in the name of Lucifer. So anything he did, he would always say, this is for my God. This is, uh, I am Satan. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he would try and embody it as much as possible. Um, and he would push things on us. He would normalize paedophilia, incest and bestiality because we had to get ready for his people. We had to get initiated and if we were an embarrassment to him, boom, we would be gone. So he had to train us to get used to all of this kind of stuff. Even took us to Thailand, got one of the girls to try and kill someone over there. Like, I've never met a more evil person in my whole life. He's just, he's just still alive. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. So I was with him from the age of 21 to 24. And he was doing all of this kind of abuse to us, you know. I had to degrade myself to like 50 pound an hour unprotected sex to make sure that I could get his money because he knew where my family lived and he used to say, I'll kill him, I'll kill him. Jesus Christ. If you don't get me this money, your family are dead. And it's ironic because he said that we would get this production company so I could help my family and help them to, to be supported financially. And instead, they were then used against me to say, if you don't do what I say, 
they will be the ones. And, you know, he would beat me up in front of the other girls so that, like, because I was... I was the girl who was like his main girl. So because I brought in most money and I was the most submissive to him, like I would literally be like, yes, sir, no, sir, free bags, full, sir. Just because I was always the brunt, yeah. Like there was, it was always me that there was the target. Like I was either the one to blame for the other girls not doing what they were meant to do. And then, or I would make something happen so them other girls would get in trouble. It, I, I, I could never do anything right, you know? So I was always on edge. Like I, I, I was so scared all the time and I would rather have worked than meet him because he made us meet him um, sometimes on a weekly basis to give him the money. So give me an example of how much money you would earn and how much money you'd have to give to him each week. That guy took over a quarter of a million pound off me in three and a half years. That's why I've worked out. If that was on a minimum of two grand, he would have ended up with around about just over a quarter of a million, just off me alone. Like just off me. All cash. Yeah. Never mind all the other girls. This is why it was so hard because don't like obviously like... There is light at the end of the tunnel mm. with this and we did get this man put in prison, mm. but the, the whole time, like what he did, and he wasn't just trafficking me, he was trafficking minors as well. Um, there was about 30 odd girls that come and gone. When you say the trafficking, break, break down to me what you mean by sex trafficking. So t selling people for money, getting girls to go out, have sex for money and take their money from them, controlling them financially so that they can never ever get out of the situation. And with sex trafficking, a lot of pimps beat the shit out of their, their um, they call us slaves, you know? They beat us and um, and we have to know our place. But this guy went an extra thing. So I've got this tattoo removed now, but I don't know. Can you see like, it's like the 666. Yeah. He branded me. My God. So he made me get this tattoo because I was owned. Did you I, never think about battering him? Babe, I was so scared. Like, I was scared. Like, I, I was more scared for my family than me. So he used that against you, your family, the whole time. All the you know, time. your mum, you said your mum supported you. Da, yeah. da, da. Could you open up to your mum about any no, of this? No, I couldn't open up to anyone. So, like, no, so, so none of your mates, no one knew. I was telling people he was my friend. I was telling people he was my manager. I was telling people, like, he was a good guy. Like, I was literally going around telling people that this guy was looking after me. Like, and I was genuinely believing it. Like he had me that warped, that that suppressed in my head that I thought what was happening to me was normal. What was happening to me, I deserved. I was school, so I deserved what was happening. And then he started to bring in like other girls, like homeless girls off the street beat them up in front of me, make them like rattle. So because they were addicted to heroin, he would take the heroin off them. And if you don't give an addict their heroin, they start yeah. to rattle and because yeah. it's in their bone marrow. And this girl was nearly shitting herself. She was being sick everywhere. Like, and he's like, you know, if you, if you get out of line, I'll put you on this stuff. And you know, he would always have heroin around wow. me. And I feel lucky that I didn't end up taking heroin yeah. because I think that would have been, been his biggest yeah. thing that would have kept me there. And that's, I would have been gone then, you know. How long was this going on for? Three and a half years. So. I lasted um, in human trafficking. There's a shelf life of seven years and I can understand why <laughs> because I was deteriorated by the end of three and a half. Sorry. I looked like shit, mate. <laughs> Take your time, I was, Sam. I was skin and bones. 
like I'm 5'10 and I was like nearly eight stone. Like I had cuts all over my arm because I was just picking my skin through anxiety. You know, like when I'm on the gear and I was like, pick, 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 pick like this. Like I just, uh, just kept like in this degraded shell. And that was my life, you know? And I, it was mad. I had to text like, um, to registration plates of the taxis I got in. I had to text where I was at all times. I had a burner phone, which was his phone. And if I didn't answer the phone, like there'd be times he'd ring me when I was with punters and I'd have to jump up, run to the phone. Because if I didn't answer the phone, there'd be trouble. You know, when I got back, why aren't you answering my phone? Why aren't you listening to what I say? Why aren't you, why aren't you doing what you're told? Because Sam had, had to do what she was told. And if I didn't do what I was told, there'd be consequences. So I was a trained bitch um, and that was my place. I had to do what I was meant to do. And you know, this guy, this guy was into massive humiliation. Like he used to like have us stand up the wall naked and then um, pretend to burn us with cigarettes. And then he would urinate Jesus in our mouths and make us drink it. Um, How old was this fella? He's like 50. He was fifty then. Yeah, he's like he's like fifty odd or something. Like, um, how did how did get me to the bit of how you got out of this? Yeah. Um, so, this is the thing. Like, this guy is is very smart. Like, and this is what these people. This is what people in general need to realize. Like, people think like when I go on about this stuff, um, it can be labeled as a conspiracy theory or, you know, they think it just happens at the top echelons of society, like with all like um, the cults up there, like, cause you know, there's Jim Jones, Manson cult, like the Nixium cult. Like I've actually spoken to India Roxenberg who was abused by Keith Ramir. Mm. I've spoken to survivors like um, Annika Lucas, who was actually um, uh, trafficked through the Belgium government. This, these, this is a book out there, like this, these big facts, like, and this is why I think sometimes like I can bring it back to people so that they could understand yeah. this could be anyone's yeah. kid. Yeah. And I was from a low demographic area. I was a normal person, babe. Like yeah. I, I was, I was just Sam Brown. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and that's how easy this can happen. So I only feel like it was God's plan that I got away. Like I'm not religious. Most religions would burn me because um, I'm with a woman. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do believe in God because of all of this situation. Like I, I have to because I'm like, how did I get out of this situation? Mm. Like I, I, it's only like by God's will. Like I don't understand how else I got out. So. Three and a half years in, I, this lady first come and she started to introduce me to like God and stuff. And she started to tell me about, because he always used to use like um, the revelations on me and be like, the revelations are coming, blah, blah, blah. He used to call me Mary Magdalene and all this weird shit. Um, but then she showed me um, about uh, like, um, I guess the Bible, but she was kind of showing me how it was kind of, um, there were certain things in there that were, were helping me to basically heal. Mm. You know what I mean? Like learning about certain scriptures. So and, did and she like, know what you'd gone through? So this is the thing. She was the first person to see what was going on. And because she's seen the 666 on the finger, she knew about the Illuminati. And she was like, so she, he was a single mom. Again, predatory. This is what he yeah. does. <laughs> there was a lot of single moms and homeless women that had been and gone throughout the process but this one woman she was very uh, emotionally intelligent very conscious and she had three little girls herself and um she always says sam i couldn't leave 
because I knew that you were someone's daughter. And bless her. She stayed for a little while and um, she was the one who started to kind of break the mold. So basically I wasn't allowed to ask questions. I wasn't allowed to think for myself. I was, if I asked questions, I'd get a slap or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't question me. Don't what, a ask. proper slap around the face. Oh yeah, like proper. Sometimes a headbutt, sometimes a, a punch. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, he'd make me like... Um, go down on him for five, six hours. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the sick what? fuck, like, but you talk about sick things, like. I'm not sure I can handle this geezer anymore. I know, anymore, babe, you know? I know, I know. I'm so, I told no, you it was No, it's fine, heavy. no, listen, this is fine. It's all coming up, but this geezer. It's sick, babe, babe, it, babe. The things, I keep saying, babe, I need to stop because yeah. I've been doing trouble for that. Like, yeah. <laughs> this girl just says babe yeah. all the time, but even still, like, dodge this guy. Yeah. How do we get this guy nicked? So he's been, we, so basically we got him nicked. Right. So this is what I was getting to because this guy, um, when I met this lady, she started to make me think for myself. Yeah. And then I was allowed out for my birthday because there was one year I wasn't even allowed to go home for Christmas, you know? Like I had to work and I had to make money for him. Um, and I had to lie to my parents and be like, oh, I can't come home this year, rah, 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 sad man. But anyway, I went out for my birthday this year and um, that's when I met Ma. And Ma is like basically the love of my life who I've been with now for 11 years. And uh, when I met her, she was actually with someone. So that, that wasn't apparent that that was gonna happen, but her best friend started to live with me. And he used her as well. He was like, you're gonna be her security now. Cause she was like um, quite hefty mm. and um, she was a lesbian and she she looked a bit like a security guard, you know yeah. what I mean? So she's like, he was like, you're gonna do my uh, Sam's security now. So this girl Shaq had actually come away with me to start to see what was going on. And um, it was sad because he was like, you need to pay her. So she was like, this is how engrossed he gets people. So just hold on a minute. The pimp mm -hmm. was, you've met, your love of your life. Best friend. Best friend. Yeah, she's started to live with me. Yeah. And then he started to say, you need to pay her now. Right, out of your own also, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to pay everything. It was oh, always okay. me. I always, always giving the money. Yeah. Um, so I had to give her the money, but that's how controlling he was in regards to mentally. Like this girl thought what was happening was normal. Mm. Obviously it didn't take very long for her to be like, what the fuck's this going on, Sam? Yeah, yeah. And then he was still trying to get into everyone. So what he would do is he'd have the same techniques where he'd get you on the sesh, he'd isolate you yeah. and he'd start pumping you full of stuff. Yeah. Um, and lies and things. And that's what he did with Shaq. He did that with her. And I remember coming back and I was like, why are you doing this? Why do you keep trying to ruin every relationship yeah. that I have? And then my missus started to take me away from him yeah. and being like, no, Sam, I will come to college, come and stay with me. So I started to like, I guess, experience a normal relationship. Um, and I started to experience love because yeah. it was mad because obviously, like I said, she was with someone. And then when she'd broken up with them, she started to come round more yeah. to the house. And that's how we ended up we weren't we weren't looking for a relationship yeah. i'd broken up with my girlfriend my first girlfriend not long ago um and she was a heroin addict but that's why it was easy for him to get me away from her yeah. it wasn't easy for him to get me away from ma because she was working in mcdonald's so ma is your mrs. mrs now yeah but when you were working for the pimp you also had a lesbian relationship as well i did i did i had a, I had a relationship um with a girl called nicole mm. and um yeah she was an amazing girl um and it was easy for him to get 
her away from me, get me away from her because of her addiction. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But then like when Markham, she was at Mackey's, she was our first class degree, like yeah. animation, like Brilliant. she wasn't his type. She He couldn't manipulate her. Yeah. It was impossible. She wasn't ever going to get involved in the industry. She wasn't ever going to take money off me. And she was the one, I guess, who broke the seal. Yeah. Why are you doing this, Sam? Why, why are you giving Steve money? And I was like, oh, I need to be for my protection. Who are you being protected by, Sam? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know. I couldn't answer the question. I was like, I don't know. It's just because I've, I fucked up and now I need to pay and so that my family don't die. Who, who's going to hurt yeah. your family, Sam? Like, who? So then being more away from him and being more around her, I guess I started to get my own mind back. And also because he's seen that I was with um, someone now who genuinely had nothing he could break, yeah. he knew he was in trouble. Yeah. Because someone, he she he knew down the line if he carried on, she, she'd go to the police. Yeah. And he knew it. So what he did was play uh, Prince Charming, the, you know, the savior and be like, I tell you what, we're gonna stop you from brassing Sam. And what you're gonna do is you're just gonna webcam now. And instead of giving me two grand a week, you're just gonna have to give me two grand a month. Now, obviously my, my head, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I get mm. to spend time with my missus. Mm. Um, I've got to give them this money, but from two grand a week to two grand a month in my head, I was like, mate, yeah. this is a done deal. But on webcam, you never earn as much as you do when you're brassing. Mm. The money that I was earning, he was taking a massive chunk of my money. I was earning no money to be able to pay my rent. What sort of, what sort of chunk would he be taking out of your money? So when I was trafficking, it was up to five grand a week. But when it was the webcam, he said two grand a month. But again, that's still so five So he was taking pound. five grand a week out of your own money? When it was being trafficked, babe, there was plenty of times he asked for five grand in Jeez. that week. And, and that's why it's sad because obviously the things I had to do to get yeah. that money, mm. I'm... I always kind of disassociate myself with that person now, just because I just know that like who I am today, you couldn't sniff that near me. Yeah. Um, and I have to, because I have to kind of be like, that's the old Sam, yeah. this is the new Sam, just so that I can kind of process the emotions and leave it there. But um, yeah, he knew, he knew Dodge that this was it. So basically- So it's a ticking time bomb now, Yeah, of course. Brilliant. And he wanted to get as much as he could out of me before he couldn't get yeah. no more because I was his I was his bank. Yeah. You know, there wasn't, there was girls, the homeless girls that he'd bring, but they'd never earn the money I did, mm. you know? Um, and basically when I didn't have to start seeing him and because I couldn't pay my rent, I had to lend money off my dad that was when shit really hit the fan for me because I was like, I really started to think like, why am I still paying you? Like if I don't need to be protected because I'm not going out, I'm mm. not putting myself in any positions, I'm not brassing anymore. So I don't need protection. So why am I giving you the money? And honestly, like it took every part of my courage because I wasn't allowed to phone him. I always had to phone this guy called Pete but I never thought called Pete because I I knew my, I was a bit too new her place, yeah. so I never called. But this time I had to call, <laughs> and I remember calling him, calling Pete and being like, "Can you get Steve to call me?" Rang me straight away. He knew something wasn't right, and um, I asked him straight up. I, I remember pacing up and down the room because I was like so nervous, and I was like, "Um, 
why 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 am I giving you money? Um, what is it for again? And that was it then. He went, I tell you what, Sam, we'll call it quits. And I remember being like, whoa, no, 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 no. I was like, this is going to cause me trouble. Mm. My family are going to get hurt. I was like, listen, Steve. I was like, I don't want no problems here. I was like, I'm happy to give you money. I said, I just want to know why I'm giving it to you. And, and you know, I don't want my family being hurt. And he was like, no, no, no. And then he tried to end on like the knight in shining armor thing, being like, remember everything I did was for you. So he used to make out good or bad because the Illuminati ruled the world. Um, he made happen. So anything bad was because I was a bad girl. And then when Ma come, it was because I'd been a good girl. So he made Mara come, which is a load of bullshit, obviously. Mm. But he had to keep that persona yeah. up. He had to keep that mind control up so that I then wasn't, uh, I guess, a problem for him mm. moving forward. Mm. So as I got away, like in regards to the not giving him money anymore, obviously that was a big, like then after that, like it was like my whole world had been shattered. But what did happen though, is that I, it was mad because it was like a few weeks later or something, the police got in touch with me. Out of the blue? Yeah, they okay. put a note through my door and they were like, we need you to get in touch because we need you for a case. And obviously because Steve had told me about killing his son, I was like, nope, don't contact me. I know it's Steve testing me because he always used to say, I'll test you. I'll yeah. test you at all times. So I was a bit on edge. Mm. So I was like, nope, don't want anything to do with this. And then one of the girls messaged me uh, one of the girls who'd been trafficked as well messaged me and was like, Sam, it's me. It's not Steve. I need your help. And I was like, okay. And when I knew it was her and that I was safe, I was like, right. So I brought in the troops. I brought in as many girls as I could. And we all went to, um, we all went to court to get him sent down. I think there was like seven of us all together Good. that were there. What year was this? Uh, so it was 2016 that we got him sent down, but when I got away it was 2012. And he had, um, obviously in that time, it was sad because cause one of the girls who'd come forward first, she went to the police and they were dismissing her. Like one of the female police officers was yawning when she was giving a statement, asking her, did that really happen? Because of the whole satanic side of things and this guy being a full on psycho. Mm. Like this woman like was sick though. For one, I couldn't believe it was a female police officer. And for two, the fact that was, she was dismissing this girl who said, I was a minor when I met this guy, basically a child. She yeah. was 16 when she met him. And this man has done this, this and this. And she's like, are you sure? Do you mean, are you sure, bro? Yeah, like, aren't the yeah. police meant to be there to protect mm. us? But you know what? I, again, I think it's God's will because we was lucky enough. If he would have, she would have got in touch when I was with Steve, I would have backed Steve. Do you know what I mean? I would have, I would have backed wow. him. So I'm so lucky that it happened when it did because we, I backed how that mad, how, how, how mad is that? Just hold on. How mad is that? You would have backed Steve. Of course, babe. This like, is what happens. Like if you watch um, the Nixium cult seduced, if you watch the documentary, that's exactly what India Roxenberg did as well. She was backing Keith from me. Brainwashed. No, brainwashed is Jesus. the way. And this is what happens massively on a massive scale. Babe. And this is happening everywhere. This is happening everywhere, babe. Like, so obviously we got him put into prison. So, so you you got out of that in 2012. Yeah. It took four years to get him banged it up. did. How right. long did he get? 
Did you have to go to court? Did you see him? Did you look him in the eye? So I'm so lucky because I had a screen around me. I've got to say, my blood's boiling right now. I know, but I did say to you, it'd be a lot like this guy's like, I've on not heard level. anything like this before, this kind of level. Trust of me. how I, how someone can act like this. This guy is a liability to the world, babe. And this is why, like, so now, like, obviously, like, I um, will take anything that comes, like, good or bad, because for me, like, my emotions are removed from this situation mm. because I have a duty of care to let people understand how close people like Stephen McAllister is to their front door. Yeah. Now, obviously, after with all the work that down, you're doing now, oh, okay, massively, it's like let's, I have to. Let's go into that in yeah. a minute, but I just want to find out that About. process of 2012 with you've been brainwashed with mm -hmm. the total fear of this one fella who's owned you. Yeah. From 2012 to 2016, what did you go through? It was just like a whole process of healing. Um, it was kind of dissecting everything that had happened. I was still obviously addicted to drugs, but obviously when we got him sent down, so you asked about how long he got. So it was sick. So he got um, eight and a half years and got out on four. Is that it? Eight and a half. And got out on four in good behaviour. My God, that geezer needs to be there for life. Mate, he does because he's actually a liability to society, babe. Like, imagine taking people's lives. Like, no. The, the things that he did, like, I'm sorry, but my best friend got put in the prison for half the sentence that yeah. he did for a cold conspiracy yeah. for a text message. Yeah. Like, she got did that's a my, text That's my message. point. That's my point. You see, paedophiles going to prison, getting oh. short sentences. Someone got caught with a load of weed or coke, gets a... 15 years, 16 years, 20 years. The whole system's fucked. It's so fucked. And that's what I'm saying. The system is made to protect people like that. Where were you? Were you in the court that day when you got put down? Uh, no, I got a mess. So basically, like, after I got out of the situation, like, it took me a long time to kind of, like, get out of the industry as well. I went back to the industry where it was still on the drugs. And um, I can't remember what year it was, but I, I then changed, something inside me changed. I started to volunteer for women's aid. And I started to kind of realize that I could take my experience and have it help me as opposed to hinder me because it was really taking its toll on me. And I started to work for Amnesty International who were like the biggest human rights organization in the world. Started to learn about human rights, started to stop things like child marriage and FGM. Um, What's FGM? Uh, female genital mutilation. So it's where they, I know babe. I don't wanna know. Yeah. You don't yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. The, where the fact they do it to kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the, again, this is a society we live in, babe. There's a lot going on that people don't know about. Yeah. Um, well, and, the idea of this podcast is to help people out there. I know. You and know, when expose. we spoke before we coming on, this is about exposing this so girls out there and guys, and guys yeah. know where to go and what to do. 100%. And I think because of the whole process of where I am today, I feel like I'm a really good advocate to show people how to get out of this mentally because it's took me a long time to do it. But I'm really can genuinely say now I'm in a place where I'm a survivor, babe. But I am not a fucking victim. Yeah. And no matter how much that guy tried, tried to bury me, I'm a seed and I grew through all of yeah. this. So when we got him put in prison, obviously like- What was that day like for you? It was incredible. Yeah. Like, and obviously even though the sentence wasn't what we wanted, and it was sad because obviously they didn't find him um, guilty of raping me, which was like so weird because when the Crown Court, because it was in Birmingham Crown Court, because um, obviously like- I can't Crown, even, I can't even fathom that word. I, know. I can't even, I know it's every, just, just the thought of this. 
Babe, this guy's a psycho. He thinks he's Satan. Like, he's literally walking around. You know when you first said, you said you, you, he come on the scene and you were like, oh, he's a gangster. He's a big time. He's a big time. Now you know him. What is he? Just he's a, a peasant, mate. Yeah. He's an absolute waste, man. Yeah. Like, I beg him to try that with me now. Yeah. Like, and that's why it's like, I want people to understand that all these people do is prey on vulnerable yeah. and naive people because they can't get the strong. They have to get the mm. weak. They don't get the strong because the strong will knock them the fuck yeah. out. Like, they'll be like, who are you? What are you when doing? When he got banged up and got eight and a half, did you yeah. f have a sense of relief? Or did you think, oh my God, he's only going to do four? I actually thought he's only going to do, well, I didn't think he's only going to do four, but I thought, what is eight and a half years? Obviously, at first I was happy that he got sent down. Yeah. Then I was like, what's eight and a half years? Yeah. Knowing I, he's gonna do off. Yeah, I will. I know him. Like I know what he's like. Like he was like in the in the in the docks, be like, oh my ass is bleeding. Like I was like, mate, it's gonna be when you're dropping the salt, mate. Yeah. But I just thought the reason he did that is so he could emotionally manipulate the yeah. jury to feel sorry for him because that's exactly what he is. He's just a manipulator. Um, but I see through all of this stuff now, and now like with the like healing process and taking what he did and using that now, mm. like as now Giving I'm like, power. Yeah. yeah, like now it's like, it's totally switched around. So when I started to work for Amnesty. When did you stop taking drugs? I'll be honest with you, uh, Christmas this year, last year, because basically what happened. And you're 34 today. Yeah, I, I'm teetotal now. I've been teetotal since Christmas. Good for you. Thank you, thank you, you thank you, babe. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but basically it was been a long turmoil and I think because of having the whole addiction with the drugs and then being um, having to heal through the process of it all it was a big crutch for mm. me you know to kind of escape but slowly slowly it's just diminished from my life and I think when I first got out of the situation I was still bang on it but then I started to really start to heal so spiritually and then I started to look into plant medicine and then I started to really get out there with other people Good. started to work with organizations like Project Rescue Children so now we're building a school in Gambia like these people stop things like sex tourism where kids yeah. are getting sold for three pound babe like I know this hold is on, hold on kids are getting sold sold babe in Gambia for three quid in, in Gambia like sex tourism again it's a thing you can look into it's a massive thing but he stops very dark things happening like all and harvesting all that kind of stuff so I have built my own social enterprise where I now go into the youth and criminal justice sector I mentor young people I um, work with councils and youth clubs and I'm now looking to get the law changed I work with um, a lady called Della Shaw uh, the Sarah Sands um, and uh, Nick French all of us went to the Houses of Parliament um, and um, we was there and we have got want this law to get passed called Della's Law so that sex offenders can't change their name anymore. Good. Now, since I've done interviews, I've had someone message me because Steve was a poker player. He used to take our money, trafficked money. He was also trying to uh, create a charity for single mums with our money as well. So if you can imagine how bad oh, that God. would have turned out, if that would have happened, that would have been Has he his... done that since he's come out of it? No, he's, no, I mean, the th this is another thing. So because um, I've done these interviews, now I know he's changed his name to Dan Cooper. So everyone Dan Cooper, yeah. That um, makes me, that makes my blood boil even more. I know. So a, so a, 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 a paedophile or a sex trafficker or a pimp can get banged up 
and come out, change the name, and change no one have a clue. Listen, babe. Like so, when we went to um, the houses of parliament, people aren't just doing their their name; they're changing their genders. And this is why the trans movement needs to wake the fuck up because it's a bollock. Because what these um, perpetrators do is that they'll jump on any movement where they can get out of loopholes. So because now trans people are saying it's my human rights, you can't know my past and my, my, the fact that I've changed my gender. One of the perpetrators, like that we was hearing of in the houses of parliament, had changed their. Gender Agenda, come back to kill the woman when they'd got out, kill the woman, and they'd gone on to abusing more kids as a woman. Oh and because the system is like, oh no, we need trans rights and all this. Now, don't get it twisted. Like, I understand everyone needs their human rights. Yeah. But if you aren't a sex offender, uh, offender, why are trans people getting bothered about it that we can look into your details? Because all this is about is yeah. protecting children. Yeah. Like, and that's what should be the forefront, not people's triggers and, you know, of how they feel about things. We need to focus now on protecting the children and also making sure that people who have been through this kind of abuse heal. So whether you've been through childhood abuse, sexual assault, heal, because all you will do then is if you don't heal, you'll go around damaging other people because of how you feel inside. Yeah. This is what Steve used to say. My mum was a prostitute. I was trafficked as a damaged kid. Damaged people, rah, rah. damaged people. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it's no excuse, yeah. but my big thing now because of where I'm at and how I'm using all of my my pain for purpose, mm. um, you know, I've been able to align with some of the most amazing people who are making massive differences yeah. out there. You know, um, I've seen how how much of a difference you're making around the UK. Oh, thanks, Dad. Seeing it everywhere. Like I'm trying so hard yeah. because all I want is for people, for one, not to feel alone. Yeah. Because I feel like when you are. Um, a victim to abuse like this, you can feel like you're alone. Yeah. But since I've spoken, do you know how many people have come forward to me? And not only that, how many men have come forward to me going, I was addicted to porn. Thank you for like telling me about the insides of this. But not only that, like the amount of guys that feel comfortable to come forward and be like, Sam, like I was abused as a kid. Mm. Like, you know, um, I worked with a guy called Chris Wilde and he's an amazing individual who talks about the care homes and how yeah. they exploit them in the care homes, you know. Um, we were and how about this earlier. Yeah. The amount of people that have come on who have seriously violent or or bank robbers or international smugglers or, or been abused, they've been in the care home. Yeah, babe. And this is where it happens, honestly. Not Dad. all of them, but a high, there's a lot of people who've been in the care homes in the 80s and got abused and sexually yes. abused and that's where the anger's come from. And Of course, it's understandable, geez. you know. like yeah. And then... This is why I say like the healing process is like so important. Like I've done everything from therapy, um, CBT, um, to, you know, going out doing my breath work, my cold water therapy, um, making sure that I, I I treat my body right. You know, I've started my own superfoods business yeah, now so that's going absolutely insane. One self well-being. Say it again, one <laughs> self. <laughs> one self, one, one, like, so one self one well-being. Well-being, good for you, Yeah, and, and it's great because I started that in lockdown. Um, and I actually got really scared in lockdown because he come out of prison. What that, year did he come out? Uh, so 2020 he actually come out, I know. And are you living in Birmingham as well? Yeah, so I live in Birmingham now. And that's the thing, like, I am not letting this man control okay. my life yeah, okay. ever. Like, yeah. uh, he will not scare me. Like, don't get twisted. But the only reason that we live in Birmingham is my missus is a boxer yeah. and all her career is based yeah. around there. But I've, I've even said to my missus, like, when we have kids, we want to move out of yeah. the uh, West Midlands. When you're in, when you're in Birmingham, Sam, yeah. and walking around, is it on the back of your mind thinking if I bump into him, what am I going to do? How am I going to react? I, ha I have thought about that before. Apparently he doesn't look the same anymore and he's tried to lose weight and like grow his hair out. But I'd know, I know the scumbag from a mile away if I seen him. 
Um, and I'll be honest with you, like part of me always thinks that, you know, if I see Becky or if I see Steve, what am I going to do? Um, but all I know is that I'm not that person who I used to be. So they're going to meet a very different Sam yeah. if they try and approach me. Like they're not going to meet the Sam that they thought they knew, yeah. you know. And I think that's one of the biggest things for survivors that I want people to realize is that through all the work, you will get your strength back. Yeah. And these people that hurt you, they will not be able to hurt you any longer. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that we have to do, like is make people realize for one, it wasn't about you because I know that I was just in the firing line, just like any other girl was with Steve, you know, or with Becky or whatever, like these people prey on them. Yeah. And and all we have to remember is that we were naive and that we, we, we wanted and we cared and we wanted them to be something, but they turned out wrong and that isn't our fault. And I think as, as survivors of abuse, like you try to blame yourself like so much, like, like, oh, I deserve that. This is me. And it's not, and I just, I think this is the biggest message that I want. Do you know how many kids need our help, Dodge? Go on. Like, you know, um, there's so many kids that go missing a year. Like, I think it's like 120,000 in the UK. People be like, oh yeah, but they don't say that they get found and all this. And I'm just like- you, Hold like, on, 120,000 kids go missing the, a year. In the UK alone. And then they say, oh, some of them get found. But then I'm like, okay, let's put this into perspective then. What about the ones that are undocumented? Yeah. What about the kids that are in England that don't have a, a passport, that yeah. don't uh, that come into this country? Like if you, it's well over 120,000 yeah. then. Yeah. And then, you know, like, in regards to the fact that the 80% of youth clubs since 2010 have been cut, yeah. you know, what the kids meant to do now, like, you know what I mean? Like, and this is why kids are being hypersexualized, kids are being groomed now through the media, through social media, like they're being shown all of this lifestyle, like these watches and these, yeah. this, this thing and all this thought life, like bouncing and twerking yeah. on all these guys. And I'm just like, honestly, like leave it out. Like what, you, what you're gonna realize as you get older is that life is worth so much more mm. and monkey see monkey do so we need to be setting an example for younger people now so that they can represent that not represent the historical abuse that's been happening over time you know and the, this cardi b mentality that we have now like i think they were trying to cancel a, a christmas song called it's cold outside mm. yeah because it was a bit rapey mm. but then they bring out wap wet ass pussy yeah. fucking yeah, cardi yeah, yeah. b i'm like me what is yeah. this world like and i think it's so important now people think oh what can I do? You can do so much, whether it's raise money, like, um, like I said, like I, I don't even have a bank for my social enterprise. I do everything voluntarily, like off my back and any money I get, I'll just give to the young people for travel or, you know, and, and that's why I joined up with the PRC because I was like, I want to do more Project Rescue Children. Yeah. Um, Adam Whittington is an amazing man and he's responsible for actually not like pushing a law in Australia for not letting sex offenders leave Australia. Cause what he was found in working in Kenya and Gambia is that a lot of Western pedophiles were going over there and people that were sex offenders just going over there, changing their name and they're going oh out there God. and it's a cesspit Jeez. because poverty is something yeah. that promotes this. On. That Yes, babe, because again, if you don't have the money, then you're gonna be a victim to all of this kind of stuff. Where are, you, where are you today, Sam? Where am I today? Where are you today? Like, this is, this is, been, heavy. This has been heavy. <laughs> this is a heavy and I, I, um, and I wanna know where you're at today because 
that man coming out in 2020, mm. karma will get him, by the way. Oh, massively. Trust me. And karma will get everyone and bites him on the backside. So you got that. you got that to look forward to. I know, I know. And I've got my good karma now yeah. as well, you know? Well, you seem like, you seem, from our conversations prior to this, you seem like you're in a, probably the best place ever as an adult. 100%. Yeah, me, with I've a really nice... Ending. Yeah, I know. I know. You know what? I'm so lucky for her. Like she has literally like stayed with me through, you know, I used to turn my phone off for days and go off on benders. Like she stayed with me through my outburst and my breakdowns. And she has given me so much love through it all. And she's such a beautiful person. I'm so, so lucky for that girl. Like the way that she has just he kissed my wounds, you know? And been like, I don't care what you've done, Sam. I don't care that you've been sold for £50 an hour. You're my queen. And for me, that's when I knew that love is something that's so much more powerful than any bit of hate that anyone can put on us. And I think with her, like, she kind of, like, started to help me to heal. But then, like, where I'm at now, because of being able to align with such amazing people, the Safeguarding Alliance, you know, Della Shaw and Sarah and, and Adam Whittington, you know, Alexandra Rose, Betts, like, these are my close people yeah. who I now align with and do massive projects with. And it's not just that, like, I'm able now to own own yeah. what happened to me, not be like, so someone can be like cussing me and be like, oh yeah, but you did this yeah. and that. And I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. Because for me now, it's kind of like the fuck it attitude with an actual good karma yeah. on it. Because yeah. <laughs> instead of being like, oh no, fuck you, I'm getting battered by four guys yeah. now, screw you. Yeah. Like now I'm like, fuck you, that's the old me. Yeah. And don't judge me on my past yeah. because I can guarantee if we got everyone's skeletons out the closet, they've yeah. got a bit of dirt going on in there as well. So they can throw rocks at yeah. glass houses all they want with yeah. me, mate. But for me, my purpose is bigger than any of the people, the trolls, any of the people that want to, you know, try and pick holes in my story. That, mm. that to me, they're idiots. They need to be focusing on Stan Cooper, yeah. the likes of Dan Cooper, the, the likes of Prince Andrew, the likes of Epstein, the likes that of Keith Ramirez, the people that are in our society, mm. like the amount of interviews I've done now as well. And that's another thing I do. I use my platform mm. like you do mm. to elevate the voices yes. of these survivors. And there's been mums that have come to me, I've had teachers that have been abusing kids in school and they've not been they've not been put away for it. And then I've got another mum go, that's the guy who that, that's the guy who abused my kid. My and God. then because again, like you, bringing yeah. light bringing to it. these situations, yeah. 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 then there's more power. And I think people need to find power. We're like paper, yeah? So one piece of paper you can rip, mm. put millions of us together, Gone. they're fucked. Yeah. And that's what we need to protect the children. Save our children, yeah? A hashtag is something that I've been using for the past two years. It has now been taken off Instagram because it was linking so much to people that people were finding out things and they were like, oh, maybe the people that are running the world, I mean, how the hell is Bill Clinton on the Lolita Express seven times and my man's not in prison? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, how are these top echelon society getting away with it? But I think for me, I want people to realize this could be your next door neighbor. Yeah. This could be your teacher. And you know, the amount of things that happen within, um, you know, culture, like in regards to like, you know, the Muslim culture, don't talk about that. Yeah. African culture, don't talk about yeah. that. Like we, we hush the child, spare the rod, hush the child. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, no, from me talking, and I want survivors to know, like, don't ever feel like you can't use your voice mm. because you're going to get it anyway. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You're already going for the shit anyway, but don't So ever are you think... saying for any survivors out there to reach yeah. out to you? Ooh. Yeah. 
of course, not just reach out to me, but also feel like what they have been through, like they could use that to stop others from going through the same yeah. as well. And because we have so much that's going on now in regards to young people, there's enough for everyone. Yeah. I guess like people would be like, oh, I can't do that because someone else is doing it. Screw that. Like the Red Cross are screwing people over anyway. Yeah. Like you've got people like um, Laura Silsby who's responsible for the kids that are going missing, but then she's getting linked to human trafficking and bringing kids back to the U U USA and who's bailing her out? Hillary Clinton. Do you know what I mean? And people are unaware about this stuff and that's why they stopped hashtag save yeah. our children. Yeah, okay. And that's why I want people to think. The most thing I want people to do is think yeah. and have critical thinking. Like don't just see what the media say. Don't just like go off, don't go just go off what I say. Yeah. Look into the things that I'm talking about. Look into my story, look into what I'm saying. Dan Cooper got branded the evil pimp of Birmingham. This got put on national news, do you know what I mean? And this is the thing, the guy was in the high rise building, had kids and a wife, was literally like going out like a pillar of society and all the while Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So that's why I'm saying like, people just need to realize that they their story matters yeah. their voice matters because they're going to show again how real this is and my story is just one of many babe yeah. and the fact that what happened to me happened to children yeah. is why I'm here today and I think there's a lot of power in that and that's what I want people to realize going forward now is that your story does not define you yeah. and you can take power out of any of them situations where they try to make you feel powerless yeah Sam, this is a powerful, <laughs> powerful episode. Oh, I'm so glad that you've let it happen, mate. Yeah. Like, and that, you know, because obviously, like, everyone always thinks, oh, celebrities get them on and stuff. Like, but I think having someone like me on can get other people to realize that, like, you know, I'm I'm part of a 1%, yeah, yeah, who survived human trafficking. But there's so many people out there who have been through similar types of abuse like me and not even that even worse dare I say mm. it I hate saying it but even worse and I just I just don't want them to ever feel like a victim because I just know how hard it can be like throughout all of the situation mm. to blame mm. and to feel but one of the biggest things we have to do as a collective is heal so that yeah. we can raise our consciousness yeah. raise the vibration of the earth and yeah. also make sure that the future generations don't make the same mistakes we did. Yeah. We're run by a very evil society, mm. babe. The, 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 the society that we're run by is dark. Like, mm. And you can see it everywhere from yeah. music to media to politics. Like they're all like, they're all getting their ends Everyone's away. Everyone's lying. They're all lying. It's and all bad news. <laughs> I know, babe. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's sad because that's what we are projecting out and that's what we need to do. And that's why dealing with your inner demons and dealing with your inner self, I used to be so angry. I used to be like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And now I'm just like, do you know what? Like we can get to a better place mm. with our healing and we can get to a better place with our um, composing ourselves so that the emotions that someone's put there don't bother us yeah. anymore. Cause all the, all it comes from is the pain, mm. you know? Mm. And I think that's one big thing about putting purpose to your pain is that it takes away the power from the perpetrators. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that we need to do. Yeah. Fuck them, man. Yeah. These waste man yeah. pagans, like yeah, <laughs> I have no kids. time for them. But I do want people to realize that um, we all have a duty to save our children. Yeah. Like, and I want everyone to step up for that. Whatever they can do, Sam, whatever they know. You're a real special woman. <laughs> you honestly, you're, you've got a great heart on you. I and try. you've got a massive future ahead and, and you and Ma are together. Mm. Last 11 years, keep that going. She is amazing. Stay clean. 
Yes. That's a powerful thing as well. Just before we finish up here, yeah, Sam, where can people find you on social media? So it was mad because when I first started talking, they took all my social media off me, like took my YouTube down, Who? blocked me off Facebook. Whoever owns okay. these these things took my Instagram off me. But now I have got it all. Um, I've got my Facebook, uh, which is Samantha Brown, and then my Instagram, um, which is Samantha.dyp. But I also have my organization, which is Diamond U Projects. Diamond? Diamond U Projects. Yeah, okay. yeah, and that's another way that people can get in touch with me. And if they have um, organizations themselves that we can collaborate with, because I really don't care about who I work with, just as long as you have the same vision and mission as me as, as saving kids. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's another good way. And um, yeah. <sighs> It's just been such a pleasure to, this is our first interview of 2023, yeah. 2023, yeah. 23, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm really, I, I really thank you for coming on. Thank you, babe. I really thank you. We've got a platform that people can listen to this. I know, and if we can help one, two, three people survive or speak up or say something, and that, that's good enough for us. Yeah, babe. Luckily, we're going for the thousands yeah, and millions. Yeah, we will go for millions and thousands. <laughs> yeah. Sam, I really appreciate it, and I thank you for coming down here. You're a real you, special babe. woman. <laughs> Thank really you, special Dad. woman. Good <laughs> luck you, to baby. you in the future. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Cheers. Ciao, babe.